Educators, I have a question for you. When I ask you to picture the ideal student for your institution, who do you envision? Do you start to think about GPAs or transcripts? Are there particular majors, extracurriculars that come to mind? What about particular schools, regions, countries, towns? What are you picturing? And as you think that through, I also want you to think about this question. Are there students that could thrive at your institution that you're not thinking of? You see, as schools discuss customer mapping and building student personas, particularly in education, they run into some very real problems with how they use their data to define that ideal student customer. Selection bias is a very real challenge many schools of all sizes are facing. And by defining an ideal student, what institutions are doing is taking just a few pieces of data and using them to define the whole of a student's experience which can be not just short-sighted as admissions officers might struggle to find the students that fit that criteria, but also very possibly actively harmful in some cases. So what do you do? It's a tough proposition. Admissions teams need to approach customer mapping, persona building from a range of different angles to identify the full spectrum of students that might excel within their institution. And frankly, that's a massive burden to put on them without adequate support. Luckily, with digital tools at your disposal, the work identifying all of the different areas to look for can be automated, allowing you to focus on the real priority, building personalized relationships with students that will allow you to know who is the right fit for your program and how you can help them grow both before, during, and after their education. This is Transformation at Work, a podcast about real stories of business transformation and Salesforce success eh, without all the jargon attached. The show is brought to you by Jarrett, a summit-level Salesforce consulting and implementation partner and solutions provider, and I am Jeff Stormer, your host as always. This episode, we're talking about customer mapping and education, both the reality that there is no ideal student for an institution and how administrators can nonetheless use data to identify students that might be successful in a program and build real, meaningful relationships with those students. We're joined on this episode by Jim Crawley, Director of Global Recruitment at Hope College in Holland, Michigan. Jim has worked in international recruitment and higher education for over 25 years, where he's played a key role in driving international recruitment and diversifying the whole of student recruitment at Hope. That level of experience in working with institutions to identify the right students and help them succeed makes him the perfect fit for this topic. We also sat down with Richard Carter, Jaren's Director of K-12 Education, to discuss how specific digital tools can help administrators better identify, build relationships with, and guide students to success. Richard brings years of experience in educational administration from his years as a middle school principal to time spent in higher education at Ryder and Princeton to a year spent as an elementary school principal, all of which gives him really incredible insights that he brings to the conversation. Jim and I begin our conversation laying out exactly what we mean when we say there's no ideal student for an institution. I don't know that campuses always know what the ideal student is overall. I mean, I think there's factors that we uh, look for that uh, would cause us to believe that the student is going to potentially be successful at our institution. But students have so many different personalities and have so many different needs. It, it gets down to that fit, that uh, creating that personalized experience through the, through the application and admissions process that helps that student decide 
what is the right fit for them. Um, it helps us decide too at a certain point um, whether the student is a good match or not. And I think as we engage these prospective students, we then create a personalized experience through our efforts of learning about them, reading through their, their materials, communicating with them, learning more about their family. It becomes more personal. That's an excellent point. And I think as educators talk about, you know, customer mapping and developing that student persona and applying data to admissions, it's very, it's tempting to fall into that line of thinking of like, these are the criteria for an ideal student when the reality to your point is that no amount of data is going to give you the full picture of a student's background and experience and the things that are going to determine if they are successful in an institution. So I'm wondering, could you talk a little bit more about, in your experience, how you think admissions officers should approach the issue instead, rather than focusing on that like ideal student situation? I think it really gets down to, especially for a small private school like Hope, um, and I think most schools really have this ambition or this desire to do this, is just to what degree they can do it depends on their, their manpower and, and that kind of thing. But that's to um, find, help that student make the right match. Um, it's a very personal decision for the student. Um, you know, some students grow up and know from the start where they want to go to school and, and actually end up going there. Um, others um, really have no idea, have the majority really have no idea. Um, and they don't even know how many options they really have, to be totally honest with you. I think reps need to realize wherever they are that, that their school isn't right for everyone, nor is every student right for their school. It, it is all about that, um, looking, at, looking at data to a degree. And then I think being creative as well. So again, it goes back to what is the right student for you, um, because we, we want students who are going to be academically successful, but we also want students who are, are creative, who are um, communicators, who, who are going to come and contribute and be leaders in the community. So there, there's really, there's a lot of factors that kind of go into a student that would be um, successful. And I think that's where we want to go with it. Rather than ideal student, we would want to go to um, we wanted, how do we recruit future graduates? Uh, how do we recruit alumni? Um, and that's where we recruit students who are going to be successful here and go on. And, you know, on that note, how do you see admissions officers or how could admissions officers better use the sort of student application process or the softer data provided by students during applications? So, you know, your extracurriculars, your background, all of those sorts of things to better identify students that could be successful within an institution and help build that relationship that will allow the admissions officers to show those students why this institution would be the right fit for their needs? Uh, yeah, certainly. I think, you know, obviously it depends on what's on your application, what kind of questions are there, but I think most of our applications are very, very similar and they're going to ask very similar questions. Um, so I don't know that it's a, uh, for us anyway, I don't think it's a fancy system or a fancy answer here. I think we read the applications of our students to really get to know them better. That's the purpose of, of gathering that information. I mean, certainly there's some statistical stuff up the, on that application that we're going to use for, you know, to know how many of this or how many of that. But generally speaking, we are, are gathering information so that we can help uh, ourselves engage with them in a more personal way. I think students, when they're putting the information on there, whether it's in an essay or whether it's just answering a static question or whatever it might be on the application, they're putting stuff on there that they want us to know. So I think it behooves us to kind of take advantage of that situation and say, okay, 
how can this information help us in determining whether this is a good match for the student or not? So for example, um, I know one of my colleagues uh, the other day had a student that was a, a very, actually a very introverted student when she arrived for the interview. But she, and this happened to be not the application, but the interview, but still much related information. And she, I'm sure she has it in her, she'll put it in her application too. She's a skeet shooter, okay? Different kind of activity that you don't see that often. Um, but she's very introverted. So that the, the rep, my colleague that met with her, immediately um, when he was asking her kind of what she enjoyed, he's like, that's an awesome activity. He said, I knew, you know, um, and I'd relative used to skeet, skeet shoot, or I had, you know, I was in a, I can't remember what story he told about, uh, uh, you know, where he used to live. That was a very popular activity there. And that it isn't one that you you see that often. And, so, and the, the girl talked about, you know, I, I'm not the characteristic skeet shoot person, you know. And he said, there is no characteristic skeet. You know, they're all over the world. They're all, and he made her feel like you are important. This, what you're doing is a valuable activity. It's something you really enjoy. You should keep doing it. Let's look for ways, you know, is our sportsman club here? You know, if you decide to come to, to Holland, let's hook you up with a sportsman's club in Holland so you can still do that. You know, it's important to students that they're heard, number one, and they're seen if possible, um, you know, through the process. And it helps us to then build the connection with them um, if there are factors there that, that align well with hope. You know, another one, and hope is a faith-based institution. And so we do kind of sometimes look for those connections. You don't have to be uh, of any particular faith to go to hope. But if somebody does indicate that in their application, then we see that as an instant tie with us and say, oh, you've been involved in your, your youth group at church, or you've been in the, the worship team, you know, your church or whatever. And so we can instantly tie that with, you know, activities that are available at hope. And, but it, but it, that could go for being in the orchestra. It could go for being, you know, a basketball player. It could go for being um, in United and uh, in, in United Nations, the UN team or any model UN at their high school. Um, I think there's all kinds of connections. And, and so using that, that data, that soft information that they're lobbing it out there for you, all you have to do is hit it, you know? So um, look what they're telling you, listen to them and relate to them. That's what they're really asking you to do as an applicant. I think we can all agree that that relationship building element is crucial. That ability to get to know a student on a real and personal level and connect their experiences, their passions, their background to what the institution has to offer is one of the most valuable things an admissions officer can do. Now, when I sat down with Richard, he had a really excellent point about how digital tools such as Salesforce and digitalizing that application process can really draw out that soft data from students and help administrators make that getting to know you process more effective. Let's hear from Richard. A uh, favorite urban educator of mine, Dr. Marcus Foster, once said that to move people, you have to start from where they are. And I think that um, we live in an age where students um, and their worlds are framed by digital engagement. They're texting, they're on social media, they're gaming, they're music applications. Young people um, access goods and services uh, digitally. So they are accustomed to interfacing you know, with a variety of platforms and interacting with people to uh, connect with resources. What Salesforce could do um, to support institutions to um, collect soft data from students towards greater engagements of supporting um, students is being able to really 
hone in, zero in on what makes students tick. What are their priorities? Um, what are their interests? What are their tendencies? Focusing on the, the niches in which we all exist, in which students exist, to make sure that we're pinpointing supports that, that meet the, the real needs of students. Institutions can use soft data that they can collect to have, I think, focused and targeted conversations uh, with students. My daughter, for example, will be um, attending an institution. Uh, she'll be attending Columbia University in the fall. And unlike her dad, who received uh, an acceptance letter uh, many, many moons ago, she's already connected with classmates and the admissions department and other departments within the university. But the level of connectivity and the sharing of information has really facilitated her pre-adjustment to what will be her new environment in a much more accelerated way that actually addresses her needs and the needs of classmates, um, incoming classmates with whom she's already interacted. Now, that's an excellent point. And, you know, when we boil it down into its simplest form, one admissions officer plus one student plus one institution, we really see what that digital tool set can offer in helping facilitate that relationship building process. But, and there's always a but, there's a challenge that becomes apparent when we start to approach this from an institutional level. That relationship building, that connection between admissions officer and student becomes exponentially more difficult to execute and maintain at a scale. Especially when, as Jim points out here, we factor in all the other relationships that admission teams have to manage. Different schools certainly have different staffing, different funding, different resources that, they're, that they have um, you know, at their fingertips. But I think it all gets down to relationship. When it gets down to it, it all gets down to relationship. How well do you know the counselors? How well can you get to know your student? But it also involves other people. It isn't just your staff. You need to, to make use of the different resources that you have, and many schools are using them very well. And that would be your current students. How are you using your current students and in what role? How, how can you use them to help you get to know students, to help you cultivate these relationships, whether it be tour guides, whether it be ambassadors of some sort? Um, whether it be, um, you know, they're, they're going back to their, their home school, their high school, and being able to kind of help represent you there. Um, you've also got alumni that are, a, that are an invaluable resource or can be an invaluable resource. Um, again, they're providing that relationship. I mean, it's, they're hopefully very successful. They can bring that to the table of the companies they're working for, the success they've had after graduating. So it's, it's you, you know, using those resources Using your counselors, as I mentioned earlier, your high school counselors, I can't say enough about that relationship um, because they will be thinking of you if you build that relationship. They will be thinking of your school as a possibility for the right student. So I think starting with these relationships and deciding um, where creating some benchmarks almost, where do we need to go with these different relationships? Um, what needs to be built up more? What are we doing very well at? Um, and some of that is, you know, maybe even asking questions like with the counselors asking questions, you know, how well do you do you know about our school? Um, what what do you feel is the ideal student for our school? Um, you know, finding out what they really know. So I think there's a lot of people involved in this process. And I think that admissions teams need to make use of all the uh, uh, the resources that they have. Um, and see how they fit into the, they're all cogs in the wheel. So how do all these cogs in this wheel make the engine run? 
Now, hearing you say all of that, the thing that stands out to me is, you know, that is an awful lot to put on individual admissions team members. And I'm imagining, and I'm hoping you can talk a little bit more about this, but I'm guessing that that process becomes a lot more complex and a lot more difficult as we start to scale up to larger institutions. The larger the institution gets, the more difficult that becomes. And it's not because they don't want to be personal. It's simply a matter of numbers. Um, when you get, and I've worked at even medium-sized institutions where it gets really difficult to get very personal with the students because you have so many that you're trying to recruit and work with. Um, it ends up being a core group that you end up having a lot of conversations with, but the rest of them don't hear from you in a personal way that often just simply because it's hard to do. Which, you know, kind of brings us back to data, right? Like when we talk about relationship building and there are so many relationships to manage from students, alumni, prospective students, uh, counselors, administrators need every tool they can to, you know, spot the students that could be successful and build those relationships. And that is really where having that data at your fingertips can really be you know, the game-changing element. Can you talk a little bit about that? Can you talk a little bit about how administrators can more effectively use the data at their fingertips to manage those relationship-building economies at scale? So I think that, you know, we quite often in admissions, um, many aspects of what we do are, are data-driven. I mean, there's no question. We're looking at data, you know, where have we gotten students? How many students have we gotten? What GPA have they gotten? What test score have they gotten? Um, you know, just it goes on and on. There's data. We're always looking at numbers. How many steps do we have now? How many do we want? I mean, it's obviously the academic data is, is important, and we're always looking at that, and, and not only at high school level, but then how are they doing, um, you know, at the college university level? And that also applies to test scores. I think you uh, you may have seen some people do this with uh, the SAT, and now they kind of went to test optional because they didn't have a choice because it wasn't available overseas. But I think other schools in the past have gone and looked at data, comparative data, as for students who took it and didn't take it, was there much difference in their success rate? Um, and so I think some decisions are made sometimes on testing as well based on the success rate. So again, you're again looking for that that well-prepared students and what does it take for them in high school to be most likely to be successful uh, at your college or university. So I think those are a few things. I think the um, looking at certainly the historical data from um, the high schools you that you visited, that the schools have visited, your representatives have visited in the past. So looking at high school data, you know how many kids have you seen, how many have enrolled, how many have applied, that kind of thing um, is, is all helpful, I think, in deciding maybe where to do high school visits potentially, where to do fairs. I think also. Um, contact with counselors is very helpful. Uh, that's a kind of a form of data that you're looking at um, more information, I guess. But, um, you know, do you know these counselors? Do you know the one, you know, in different high schools? And how do you get to know them better? So looking at some of the, the past uh, information related to those relationships um, is very important because they're going to help you or they can be of help to you as you're trying to identify those students that are going to be successful at your school. When we talk about that process, using data to better facilitate this relationship building process at scale, that gets at the heart of what I think Salesforce offers educators on the whole. 
By digitalizing and centralizing that data on students, administrators can really easily zero in on the particular qualities they're looking for in students, whether that's hard data such as test scores and transcripts or softer data such as extracurriculars, notes from counselors and reps, your backgrounds, those pieces of information that students are offering up to let you as an admissions officer know that your institution is the right fit for them and it better facilitates that getting to know you process. Let's throw it over to Richard who sums up this concept really, really nicely. The use of digitalized information um, allows admissions departments and all members of the university support community to know the students well. So, you know, consider the emphasis that's placed on making sure that that it's reaching out to students uh, who would, would best take advantage of the resources that they had to have to offer. And then also think about the amount of resources that are expended to secure alumni support once students you know, have completed their um, schooling process. Having a, a, a firm handle on data, um, which digital tools um, allow you to do, um, what I think that it does at the end of the day is that it provides a solid framework for um, admissions departments and other departments throughout the university to support students, not only through that initial admissions process, but, but during their, their undergraduate or graduate school years. Again, often we talk about the, the thrill of admissions and then the thrill of graduation and then alumni connections, but what happens between, for example, years one through four? And how can we make sure that we're supporting students every step of the way, enhancing their experiences um, um, throughout um, their course or their schooling processes, such that there's no lag or lull in those experiences so that years three and two, for example, are just as exciting and engaging, primarily because admissions departments, um, financial aid departments, student life departments, um, et cetera, have precise information on students so that they're able to create um, a robust, um, nuanced, and engaging experience for students. And here, both Jim and Richard put really, really nicely what happens when educators have that data at their fingertips and can really readily pull from it and use it to better facilitate meaningful, personalized messaging and connections with students. We have certainly looked at different factors um, uh, academically. We've looked at factors in terms of kind of the geodemographic mapping, like where are the students coming from? Where are we successful? Um, so I think there's a number of factors that go into that. Um, uh, figuring out who that student is, figuring out what that right fit is. And then I think when you, as I mentioned earlier, get to know them a little bit better, you can create messaging that um, will be appealing to them. Create messaging that will hopefully hit a trigger with them to say, hey, that's what I'm looking like, that's what I'm looking at doing when I go to college, or that's what I want to do in addition to my major if it's a you know extracurricular activity, um, like fine arts, athletics. I mean, there's a bunch of different things that you can trigger in on with a student based on what they've indicated that they're interested in. What happens through the um, insightful use of information that can be accessed digitally is that it minimizes the possibility that students uh, will be isolated 
Um, it connects them immediately to peers. It allows those who are charged with supporting students to understand the, the levels of intervention that students may need. Um, and in essence, what, what, what is happening when we use um, this information wisely is that we're able to build a community for students. And I think that as we you know, contemplate what allows a student to um, be successful within an institution and actually to complete um, her or his course um, of engagement um, from admissions, from recruitment through admissions, through years one through four, hopefully, and then graduation, you know, is this, this mooring, this rooting um, in activities, in peer relationships with others, um, in support services that anticipate needs as opposed to needing to, to react to a situation, let's say a student has a, a financial need that was unanticipated and that suddenly um, comes between that student and being able to complete their course of study. Having all this information readily available allows us also to, to anticipate supports. And I think that at, at the end of the day, um, we're creating an environment where students can actually focus on their academics and not worry so much about fitting in or adjusting or being alone regarding their, their you know, institutional stamina or staying power. And that really brings us back around to the student, because at the end of the day, what every educator is working towards is giving the student the best educational experience possible by connecting them with the resources and institutions they really need to thrive. Let's hear how Jim puts it. So we're a very student-centered institution. When we start working with a student, we're going to be listening right away and we're going to really tell them about the potential of a hope experience. And I think that um, all schools hopefully are doing that anyway, um, but also realizing that the student is coming to you probably with a lot of confusion, a lot of searching for information, trying to figure out what is out there. And it's important that we recognize that they have many interests and that we consider some of them, but probably not all of them, um, and trying to figure out how can we mesh what they're looking for with what we have? Is it enough? Making sure they're knowledgeable about the process, um, keeping them engaged. Student engagement is so crucial um, through emails, through your CRM, um, through personalization. Um, the student needs to know that you care. And I realize as you get bigger, the schools get bigger, it gets more complicated. Uh, there's no question. But I think um, we need to be able to portray to them through the process what the experience is going to be like to the best of our ability at Hope College in this case, and how the mission of our institution meets the reality of what they're going to experience here, or what they would like to experience here. So I think there's a lot that can be done, um, but it does take a little bit of research, maybe even a lot of research, depending where you're at. It takes a self-evaluation. You know, how are we doing things now? How are we willing to do things differently? Because if things aren't working now, if you still do things the same way next year, they're probably not going to be working again. So you have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to adjust. And we're in a field in, in, in student recruitment that is very cyclical. And so even though you know we at Hope College are having a great year this year, that doesn't mean we're going to have a great year next year. We can continue to do the same thing that got us this good year, but it might not be enough next year. So we need to continue to look at what we're doing and look at data, how many students are visiting, how many students are applying. Where are they coming from? We need to keep looking at the data. You can't rest on your laurels, even if you have a good year. Um, and you need to continue to be adjusting. I think any enrollment management plan is an evolving document. 
Um, you can't just say, we're only going to do this, and then we're only going to do that. It changes. And you have to be adaptable and ready to make those changes when needed. And finally, let's throw it over to Richard one more time to sum it all up for us. Often, when we're planning successful experiences for students, let's just say in the classroom, for example, we like to plan backwards, meaning at the end, what is it that ideally we would like to see? And once we identify that endpoint, what steps would lead towards that? And we plan accordingly. Digital tools, I think, allow us to live out the backward planning, the backward mapping to a T in that um, we have information about individual students that really speaks to their needs, their interests, um, their struggles, and their triumphs. And as a result, I think we're able to communicate to students, A, that we're aware of who they are as individuals, that we care, and that we're committed to building an experience for them that will meet their needs, not in a generic way, but in a very person-specific way. There's no ideal student for an institution, which means administrators have to be able to spot the signs that a student might be successful and be ready to nurture and guide those students on their journey to make sure that happens. And that means being able to meaningfully connect with advisors, counselors, alumni, and current students to know what to look for and how they can build real communities that help students feel at home and help students embrace what the institution has to offer. And with the right tools at their disposal, admissions officers can take the focus off of gathering that data and back where it belongs, on building real relationships with students and helping them succeed during their education and beyond. This has been Transformation at Work. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Jim Crawley and Richard Carter for both of your incredible contributions. Transformation at Work is, as always, produced by Jarrett in collaboration with Salesforce. I am Jeff Stormer, your host and producer. If you enjoyed the show, consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify, or head to jarrett.com to sign up for email updates when we release new episodes. Until next time, thank you again for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.